For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive podcast. We are so glad that you chose to take time out of your day uh, to uh, hang out with us for a little while as we talk about life and leadership and legacy. And of course, we always choose to use the lens of sports officiating to do that. My name is Chad Ozy. I work in college baseball and college basketball, and I am joined, as always, by NCAA tournament basketball official. Jeffrey Cross. How are we doing, Jeff? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Thanks for calling me Jeffrey. You know, <laughs> I did talk to my mom a couple weeks ago. She called me that same thing. <laughs> so it's actually a little known fact about my name. So I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or not. I don't think so. So my Jeffrey is my real name, and it's J-E-F-F-R-Y. Okay. So no E, right? That's different. Yeah. And um, I joke about this all the time. So does my mom. That the reason I got the name Jeffrey was because, you know, I was born in 68. So that makes me 53 for all you math whizzes out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They came in after I was born and she was all hopped up on the epidural and whatever else you had in the 60s. And they said, uh, you know, what do you want to name your baby? And she thought they said, where do you live? And we lived on Jeffrey Street at the time. Here I am, <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> I have never heard that story. No? Yeah, mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. yeah, that's me. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Imagine if I lived on Skid Row. Skid Row. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it either. I was thinking like Fifth Avenue or something, that's but yeah, I like Skid Row better. Yeah. <laughs> Skid so, Row Cross. Yeah, you know, I listen. I was It'd be uh, like over- a great wrestling name. You know, <laughs> I was overcoming adversity at birth. <laughs> so love that. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
Oh, that is so good. So I'm glad you said Jeffrey. It yeah. Brought us into a story that you never heard before. <laughs> That's exactly right. And you know, it's funny how things that we hear immediately trigger mm. reactions in us, you mm-hmm. know? Whether it's, you know, somebody using our full name, mm-hmm. you know, for most of us growing up, if, if they use our first name and our middle name together, we immediately had, you know, physical reactions because mm-hmm. we knew we were probably in trouble about something. Or, you know, somebody talks about a, a, a person from our past and we immediately get things that, that come to mind. For those of you that have hung around Jeff uh, at all, uh, if you've had interaction with him outside of just listening to the podcast, you know that Jeff is constantly listening to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when he listens to these things, he jots them down. And uh, sometimes he'll even text them to himself. Uh, I think he gets more texts from himself every day <laughs> than he does from anybody else. That's right. At least I know I like me. That's I don't right. know about anything else. That's so. right. And, uh, and a lot of times he'll he'll share things with me that, that he's heard. Um, and so what we're going to do on the podcast today, something a little different than what we've done before, Um, But I think it's going to be pretty engaging for all of us. I have written down some of the thoughts, quotes, whatever, uh, that Jeff has shared with me. I've written them down, and I am going to quote them back to Jeff Mm. today. Uh, And and I want to get... I want to get his take on on why these things were important to him mm-hmm. when he heard them. You know, what was it that it triggered in him? Uh, and then we'll kind of talk back and forth about it a little bit. We're going to hit a few of these. Um, so if, if we're talking about one thing that uh, maybe doesn't grab your attention so much, hang on another five or seven minutes and we'll be on to the next right. one and we'll, yeah. we'll talk about something else. Plenty to pick from. That's right. Don't, don't give up on us, you guys. You know, I, I think this first one I'm going to share with you, Jeff, I, I think if I were guessing, probably some of this comes from the, the book that you shared with us a, uh, a couple months ago here on the podcast, because I know it's it's really impacted you, especially this this kind of season mm-hmm. of your life. Uh, but the, the quote that you shared with me was, change the way you speak about yourself and you can change your life. Mm-hmm. So yeah. tell me why that's that's key for you. Well, that just this quote didn't come from the book. Okay. The book uh, what you're referring to is It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. So if you haven't read that book, I would strongly suggest that. Um, so um, so let's say it again. Say the quote again. Change the way you speak about yourself mm-hmm. and you can change your life. Yeah. The reason it meant so much to me is because... If we just start in the morning and I get up in the morning and I go, ugh, I don't want to get up, well, I, I won't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I'll take longer or whatever that is. So I have to always speak to myself. You know, it's 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 interesting how even if you think about the way we treat others, we, we are so... We're so uh, we're so more uh, demanding out of ourselves than we are others. Okay. If if you and I were going and you made a mistake, like I don't know, you grabbed apples instead of oranges, I'd be like, it's okay, it's no big deal. We just pick, fix it back. If I grab apples instead of oranges, I'm like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> what what is wrong with you, Cross? Don't you know the difference? And I'll spend five ten minutes scolding myself over this one mistake. You do it. I'm encouraging you. It's mm-hmm. okay. Minor detail. This can be easily fixed. I make the mistake and it turns into this this World War Three, basically. So 
That's what I, that's why it's so important to me on how I speak to myself because how I speak to myself is how I'm going to react to myself. And when I react to my, if, if I'm treating myself uh, respectfully, like I would other people, my other friends and family, then I'm probably going to get the best out of myself that way. You know, I think that's a, a an interesting way to look at it because I don't think most of us think of it that way. We don't think of it as if we were speaking to someone else. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know from having been in, in leadership positions, having, you know, employees that work for me and things like that, that everybody uh, everybody's motivated a little differently. The, the thing that I might say to one mm. is different than what I might say to another. Um, but I can I can get a lot further with encouragement mm -hmm. than I can with especially harsh criticism. You know, there's a difference between constructive criticism and, and harsh criticism, but especially uh, when it comes to that difference. And I think most of the time with ourselves, when we're criticizing, it's it's typically pretty harsh. Yep. Very harsh and typically over minor stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's minor stuff. You know, what do you mean you forgot the bread? <laughs> you know, I can't believe you went to the grocery store and you, you had this list and you got five of the six things. Yeah. You know, and we're just, we're so, we're so rough on ourselves for mistake, even though we still, we may even admit that we're still learning a position or still learning a, a, um, a task or a skill. And we're so tough on ourselves when we don't do well. Well, and, and let's bring this directly to the world of officiating, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, how many times have we seen somebody miss a travel call <laughs> yeah. in the second minute of the game, mm -hmm. and now they're missing big stuff in quarter three because they're still beating themselves up mm -hmm. for missing what might be yeah. an inconsequential travel call in the second minute of the game. Or, you know, they, they call a ball a strike you know, in the bottom of the third, and now they're not able to communicate well with coaches and everything else because over one pitch mm -hmm. out of 200 that they might be calling that right. night, yeah, you know, and, and you're exactly right. It's like, oh, my gosh, how could I have done that? Oh, Chad, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, my gosh, you can't make that mistake again. And now we dwell on that. And, you know, we hear this term within the officiating world of self-talk mm -hmm. a lot. And... It's always from the standpoint of positive self-talk, right? I mean, that's that's when we hear it. Well, mm -hmm. the reason that we need to hear about positive self-talk so much is because our natural default is negative self-talk. Yeah, yeah. You know, and even people say, well, I don't talk to myself. I apologize for saying this, but you're a liar, okay? If you say you don't talk to yourself, you, you are at at best mistaken, because we all talk to ourselves all the time. You're so nice, Chad. I would be like, <laughs> I don't talk to myself. And I would just say, well, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, it's no different than what's the, uh, the, the drill. If I tell you not to think about elephants, what do you think about elephants? When well, you're talking to yourself, mm -hmm. you know? Or if I say, do you talk to yourself? And you go, no, I don't talk to myself. And you go, do I talk to myself? Yeah, there you go, talking to yourself. So you are wrong if you think you don't talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. Some people do it more. Yeah. Some people do it less. I would say that I even talk to myself even outside of officiating, outside of, you know, coaching baseball or oh, whatever. Oh, sure. I, I'm constantly evaluating how, what I'm doing. 
in Menards and evaluating what other people are doing in Menards and how I would I act that way, you know, those kind of things. Um, I think that's how we become the most creative is when you do talk to yourself and then when you start listening to yourself, I mean, some really great things can happen there. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny the way the way our brains work, um, Jeff's house and my office are what, a a mile apart and something like that. Mm -hmm. And in between the two is a a little hometown grocery store. Mm -hmm. And uh, I go to that grocery store probably three times a week. Um, And I grab just enough stuff to get me through the next day or two with uh, with some stuff I do for my diet. So stuff that I'm going to eat for lunch, whatever I'll have at the office and. And so uh, one of the things that I grab typically is some some cheese and some deli meat of mm. some sort. And so I went in there yesterday to get some. And uh, there's a particular kind of ham that they have at that store that is zero carb. A lot of hams are uh, they're cured with sugar, sugar and other things right. like that. Mm-hmm. And so they've got carbs in them. But they have one particular brand that's zero. So it's what I order every time I go. So I walked in there yesterday to get the ham and I looked at it and there was another kind of ham that was on sale. It was on sale for about 30% less than the kind of ham that I typically get. And I remember this entire conversation in my head. With yourself. I love with it. myself. <laughs> you know, where I'm going, well, you know, I could save money and mm-hmm. I wouldn't. Then, you know, the other part of me is going, well, but, you know, but then you have to watch, you know, what you eat because you know there's carbs in there mm-hmm. and, and all. And, and, you know, your son's doing keto with you right now. And so if it's there, he may not realize it and he may grab it and you could put him on. And I'm literally having this conversation back and forth in my head about whether or not to save $2 on a pound of ham. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy the way we do this, but it's very accurate. I think we do it on the court. I think we do it on the field. I think we do it when we talk to coordinators. I think we do it when we talk to our partners, when mm-hmm. we pregame, postgame, all that kind of stuff. The way we speak about ourselves, I really do think makes a difference. But that's not exactly what your quote says. The quote says that the way you speak about yourself can change your life. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's a big statement to say that the way we talk about ourselves is life changing, mm-hmm. right? So what is it about it for you, Jeff, that's life changing? Well, uh, the best way I can explain it is if I spoke negatively about myself all the time, imagine where I would be. Mm. I could be in a gutter somewhere. I could be, you know, whatever, not have a roof over my head. I could not have a wife of 30 years. That's what would happen, Mm. you know. But I still have to develop the skill. I have to develop the skill to be better at speaking to myself, the way I speak to myself. So I can still continue to change my life for the good or for the better. If I was to always speak negatively about myself, that's what exactly what would happen. It would, it would. I wouldn't wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have two kids. I you know I wouldn't have family members and friends that are close to me. So that, I think that's the best way I can explain it. That's how it's life changing. Where the life I'm in now is because of how I speak to myself. It can be better, but it also can be way worse. So that's what I don't want to be. I don't want to be way worse, and I don't. And it can be life changing. If I was to change the way I speak to myself today. In six months, we come back and go, oh, Jeff's really gone downhill. Hmm, I wonder how he's talking to himself. Yeah. I had a conversation with a, a college coordinator yesterday. <clears throat> we were talking about a couple different things, and he mentioned a, a certain official and said that that official is just like always complaining about something, mm-hmm. right? They're always a phenomenal official. I had nothing but positive things to say about the way the official worked. 
just every time they're around, it just like seems to drag everybody down. I guarantee you that that person is speaking negatively to themselves. Yep. Like there's just no other way around it. And we all know somebody like that. We all, I, I call them Eeyore people. Uh, you know, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I mean, that's, that's just who they are. And I think if, if, if we want to self-evaluate really well, you know, do people see us as someone who is positive and encouraging, or do they see us as someone who is negative and critical? And if, if we could get a handle on which one that was, like if we had the guts to ask some of our friends, Hey, do you, do you more often see me as positive and encouraging or see mm. me as negative and critical? And, and they were honest enough to tell you the truth. Yeah then you could probably figure out really quick how you're speaking to yourself. Well, and if we think about that, just like we said before, um, it when when someone, if you, Chad, you're having a tough day, you're right. You know, I I would encourage you to, it's you know, snap out of it. You know, find a you know maybe find a quiet space and you know get get back to neutral, whatever that is. But if I'm speaking negatively to myself and I'm having a bad day and I'm oh I'm having a bad day, I'm. I'm capitalizing on it. I'm not going, okay, Jeff, you're having a bad day. Let's, let's, you know, that's, that stuff's already happened. Let's face what's happening to me today. So it, no matter what we do, if we're saying it to ourselves, it is going to, um, it's going to be key on how we respond and how we respond can't be negatively because if it is negatively, then that's, that's what you will be. You know, I, I, you say Eeyore, I say, you know, that person's only happy when they're unhappy, you know? <laughs> And that's just the way they are. So they don't even like themselves. Mm-hmm. And some people are just like that. Sure. I think the important thing is we can't be around those people and we can't speak to ourselves like they speak to themselves. Mm. That's good. That's good. All right. Quote number two for yeah. the day. You ready for this one, Jeff? Sure. All right. When something is important enough, you do it even when the odds are against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that mean? Well, First of all, I've said this many times, right? I love when people call me crazy. You know, um, some of you that follow me on social media, a few weeks ago we had a, an astronomical amount of rain. Yes, yes we did. <laughs> and it didn't stop raining until whatever, noon, one o'clock, something like that. And we still were able to play baseball that day. And I sent you the pictures. You're like, that's, you know, that's crazy, right? Yep. Well, if it's important enough, how does it go if it's important enough it when something is important enough, you do it even when the odds are against That's you. right. So playing the game, proving to the baseball boys that it's important that we work on the field to get it ready to play the game, even when the odds are against me. Everyone within, you know, the whole Kankakee County was pretty much convinced that everyone would cancel baseball. Mm-hmm. We were the only ones that didn't because it was important enough, even when the odds are against us. That kind of stuff, I mean, gets my juices flowing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you tell me, because if I wasn't at the field, right, what I'm saying is playing the game is not that important. Mm-hmm. All the practices that we've had, all the time we've prepared to play this game or whatever game is coming up, it's not that important. I'm going to cancel it, even though I probably could get it done. So that's where those kind of things really, really get me excited. If it's important enough to, whatever, save a thousand dollars this month, you're gonna it's you're gonna do it even though the odds are against you because you have, you know, 
a high electric bill because we had to run the air condition this month. But it's important enough, and, and the odds are against you, you'll still make it happen. Well, and so let's talk about that side of it just a little bit. I mean, I think for different people, uh, the odds get stacked against us in different ways. You know, uh, I'm one of those people that when it comes to my physical fitness, it would have been real easy to say, well, I just don't have the metabolism that so-and-so has. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at them. They're eating four monster burgers from Hardee's after the game. Right. And they still, you know, weigh a buck fifty and <laughs> look like a ripped Adonis or yeah, whatever. Right. You know, like that's that's not okay. And I could just say, well, you know what? I could never be that. I'm not as lucky as they are. I'm not as whatever. It's harder for me, so I'm just not gonna do it. I could be somebody that has a, a, a learning disability or or dyslexia or things like that, right? And I could say, well, I I can't learn the rules the way a Jeff Cross could learn the rules, okay? Because because that's stacked against me, you know. Well, what's interesting is not only am I impressed when people that have those kinds of things that are stacked against them, not only am I impressed when they still do those things that are important, I'm even more impressed because I know the hurdles they've overcome. To do it, I, I know a basketball official that struggles with dyslexia in a really significant way, mm-hmm. but knows that they have to know the rules backwards, forwards, sideways. Mm-hmm. And so they work their way through that book. And then they know, okay, well, the, the odds are stacked against me doing that just on my own. So they're immediately reaching out. You know, how much of this can we do orally? How many, how many videos can I watch? What kind of stuff can I do so that I make sure that even though the odds are stacked against me and it's harder for me to do this than it might be for somebody else, that I can still make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that, that to me, it it says, it it says exactly what, what you said in that quote, that it's so important to them Mm -hmm. that no matter what the odds are, they're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the key thing, too. It also has to be very important to you. Mm-hmm. Because someone with dyslexia, if the, knowing the rules is not that important to them, then it'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. The odds are really, the odds are still stacked against them, but it's not that important to them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where we have to re, that's, to me, that's the most part of the quote, is it has to be important to you. Then you put the, the odds against you, and then, you, you're finding some magic stuff right there. Oh yeah, I had a, you know, we all we all love the incredible gift to our society that social media is, right? <clears throat> and so there was an interesting social media post that got posted a couple of days ago in our area, where they were talking about uh, people not showing up for work, and one of the responses that people immediately had was, "Well, you don't know. I mean, maybe they've got." car trouble. Maybe they've got this, maybe they got that, you know, it was all these excuses for why they couldn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And somebody immediately said, well, where we live, we have public transportation. Right. So Mm -hmm. if it's important enough to get to work, that's right. You can find a way to get to work. And somebody Mm -hmm. else said, well, what if the nearest bus station is a mile from their house, which typically isn't where we live. Mm -hmm. But if the person just responded and said, well, is it important to get to work or not? Yeah. Yep. You know, I know I know sports officials that have been traveling somewhere for a game and they've blown out a tire. Mm. You know, is it important enough for them to get out themselves and change the tire or well, you know what? I'll wait for AAA and that's going to take an hour and maybe I won't make the start a game time. 
my guess is if the official feels that being there for the game, if that's important, they're going to get out and change that tire. Yeah, that starts, to me, it starts very, very young. It starts, well, young or the people that you're around. Hmm. You know, if I'm a teenage kid who, whatever, we'll just say plays football, and I hang around five other football teammates, and they could care less if they miss practice, then that's, that's how you're going to go. It's just not going to be that important to you. Or if you're a 15 or 16-year-old kid who plays football and your mom and dad could care less if they go to work, mm-hmm. the kids see that. Sure. Or they, hey, you just get practice? No problem. You know, I'll write you a note or whatever. You know, you don't want to go to class today? No problem. I'll write you a note. That's where that stems from. And I didn't realize this till, you know, I've always been, you know, someone was telling me there's, there's a difference between work ethic and work, what was the other phrase she used? It doesn't make a difference, but I didn't realize this until I became a daughter of a college, a daughter, a, a, a dad of my daughter who's in college, right? And she ended up having to go to work. She was working plus going to college. And she had, she was working at some grocery store, you know, doing whatever you do, you put the groceries in the cart and you bring it out to the car. So she mm-hmm. had to be in at like five o'clock in the morning. Well, some reason her roommate had used her car, but had left her keys. So she couldn't find her keys. Mm. So she still had to get to work at five o'clock and she, you know, planning on leaving, driving over at five forty-five or four forty-five to get there for five o'clock, but she can't find her keys. So now she, what is she going to do? So she calls me because I'm always up early in the morning. She goes, you up? I said, yeah, I'm up. So she calls me. I said, what's going on? She goes, well, you know, I can't find my keys to my car. I'm supposed to be at work at 5 o'clock. I said, well, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm walking. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's cold out. She goes, yes, it's very cold outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I have I have my hat, my coat, my gloves, all that stuff on. And that's when I realized right away that all the things that I've done in front of her like that, has become part of what who she is. Mm-hmm. She very easily could have said, I'm not going to work today. I don't have a ride. But she decided to walk at 5 o'clock in the morning at you know, 30, 25, 30 degrees. And she was cold. She was late. But she still went in. Because it was important enough for her, which not maybe, maybe the money was important. Mm-hmm. But I think more importantly, it was the legacies that she was trying to develop as a young person you know, young girl, young woman, when she turns 50, 60 years old, she's like, listen, I didn't give up on that situation. So, um, and the other thing it happened with my son was, um, he had to, he had to quit a job, um, to take a job, another job that he wanted. He was working at like a big R or whatever that mm-hmm. anybody knows that it's like a farming fleet basically. And he was working there at college and he had to quit that because his grades were suffering. So he, uh, he ended up quitting the job. And I said, how, how did that go? He goes, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. With young adults now saying they have to quit something, saying it's one of the hardest things they've ever had to do, I believe it becomes very easy for people to do it now. Mm-hmm. Well, and so as we bring this into the officiating world, you know, you talk about how you, you learn from an early age those things that become important to you, right? Mm-hmm. So if, it, if it's important, then you'll do it even if the odds are stacked against you. So 
That means as I'm surrounding myself with people in the officiating world, I need to surround myself with people who the things that are important to them are the things that are important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm hanging around people that go, well, you know, the rules really aren't that important. It's just about how good you look. Mm -hmm. It's just about game management. It's Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then guess what's not going to be important to me? (laughs) Right. The rules. Yep. You know, if, if the people that I'm trying to emulate my game after never talk to coaches, they just ignore them and go do their work. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Good coach communication is never going to be important to right. me. Right. Yep. You know, if where we're going, what what bar we're going to after the game is the most important conversation in pregame, mm-hmm. then yeah. guess what's going to be important to me? Yep. And maybe not at first. But eventually, I promise you, that's the trajectory that I'm going to go on. Yeah. Yep. You're. You're. If you want to, you know, want to know what you, kind of person you are, look at your surroundings. Look at your friends. Look at the people you hang around with every day. That's the kind of person you are. Mm. That's all there is to it. You know, I we we both know this official. I won't say their name, but whenever we talk about a basketball rule, we'll show them a clip or something like that. Almost one of the first phrases that comes out of their mouth: "Well, game management wise." That's the most idiotic phrase I've ever heard when it comes to that. Well, either it's against the rules or it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know game management-wise. I need to know, are you penalizing or are you not penalizing? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Sorry, because you said game management. Are we talking about game management? It made me think of that. So. Yeah, no, that's that, that's great because, again, we, we begin to think, even the way we, we term things becomes important or not important. Yeah. I mean, game management has nothing to do, shouldn't have anything to do with what calls I do and don't make on a court. Right. But what have we termed game management? Game management should be, am I making sure that uniforms are proper and legal before we start a game? Am I taking care of the stuff at the table before the game? Am I making sure I know where game administration is in case we have an issue? All of that is game management. Mm -hmm. But we have twisted it to be the way I call the game is game management. Yeah. That's not accurate. That's incorrect. That's now, right. Communication, that's game management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have to enforce a rule a certain way, now the way you communicate to the scorekeeper, the coaches, your partners, that's game management. That's exactly correct. <laughs> not how you enforce the rule. After you enforce the rule, your discussion is game management. I, I literally heard this last week from a group of umpires, not a single person, a group of umpires that a guy had bad game management because he didn't expand his strike zone on a game that was 10 to one. <laughs> and I had this exact direct conversation with him. That's not game management. Yeah. Now you could say in a game like that, you need to expand strikes. There are some people that have that philosophy. Well, what happens when all of a sudden the team with one run goes on a tear and scores 11 and now the other coach is livid because you opened up the strike zone. Yep. How good's your game management now? Yeah, now what are you doing? <laughs> now you haven't managed oh, anything. I got to get it back tighter. That's I gotta, right. I gotta... now, <laughs> now you've managed to let it get out of control right. is what you've managed mm-hmm. to do. Yep. You know, and so I, I think we we need to be careful with that. But I, I, I like coming back to what you said there. When something's important enough, you do it even when the odds are against you. And I think... Most of the time today, our culture tells us that when things are hard, we don't have to do it. Shut it down. 
-hmm. an uncommon person says, even though it's hard, this is important and I'm going to find a way. Yep. It's hard. It's hard for our baseball team to go out and play at 37 degrees, Mm -hmm. but it's important. The game is important. That's why we, that's why you signed up to play baseball is to go play baseball games. You didn't sign up to play baseball so we can cancel them because the weather isn't exactly to your liking. Maybe we got five other kids on a team that like 37 degrees. Mm-hmm. Now what? Yeah. So if it's important enough, I think I think you'll do it. I agree. I agree. All right. One more quote that we're going to look at uh, in this episode, Jeff, that I think um, if, if we're not careful, this one could be an entire episode all on its own. Okay. Uh, so we will do our best to uh, to limit it. Mm-hmm. But I think this is uh, this really hits a lot of us where we're at today and not just in the world of officiating, but in almost every aspect of our life. We see it on social media all the time. Uh, we see it at work. We especially see it with our kids. If you have school age kids, you see this all the time. Cowards turn courageous when they can remain anonymous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So why why was that a big deal for you, Jeff? User one two three four five six <laughs> says we're no good. It's when you don't have to worry about taking ownership of the things you do and say, you will do you will do and say anything. That's all it amounts to. If if I'm not worried about someone actually finding out who I am, I guarantee you'll say way more than if you if I say you know my nine times out of ten my username on all social media is Jeff Cross twenty two, mm-hmm. or it has my name in it. I am not afraid to say who I am because. If my mom reads it, I want her to know what I'm saying. Cause I'm, but when you put that that anonymous username in there, or that, uh, uh, what do they call that? I don't want to say oblivious. What is that? Ambiguous, mm-hmm. right? Ambiguous username. Well, now no one can hold you to that to those those words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't me. Maybe we could do some FBI research and find out exactly who the real person is. But when you when you can just hide behind that keyboard or hide behind that anonymous, you know, someone who sends an email and then or, or does a Yelp review and, and labels it anonymous, no courage. Mm-hmm. And that's all they're doing. They become cowards behind those, those uh, usernames or those keyboards. The person who, who is courageous is the one, if we're going to speak in terms of officiating, when we step on the floor, guess what's in the box score? Mm-hmm. Jeff Cross, Chad Ildy, Greg Walters, officials for tonight. They don't say referee, umpire one, and umpire two. Mm-hmm. They say our names. And that takes courage to be able to do that, to say this is who I am. Um, and we're not hiding behind anything besides who we are. So, mm. I think when uh, when we look at this, through the world of officiating, we all see what's going on, uh, especially in youth sports. But let's go way beyond that because it's happening in high school sports. It's happening in college sports. It's definitely happening in pro sports. I mean, it's happening everywhere, maybe to differing degrees, but it's happening everywhere. People love to critique. You know, I watched uh, ejection that happened in a Major League Baseball game. I was sitting at a place having dinner while it was going on 
And I mean, the people all around me are just absolutely beating this guy up. I mean, they are just, they are tearing him to shreds. He doesn't have a clue what he's doing. He's had no training. He should never work another baseball game again. Except, <coughs> pardon me. COVID. That's right. <laughs> um, except he, uh, he was doing everything exactly as written in the rule book. He was following every protocol. He was doing everything he was supposed to do, and they dealt with the issue. And so it's so easy to sit there in a Buffalo Wild Wings and yell at a screen Mm -hmm. because you're anonymous and Mm -hmm. you can think and feel and everything else that it's fine. Um, I had a a situation last week where I had to make a difficult call in in a baseball game. And it could have affected the outcome of the game. I had to call a runner's lane interference. And the people behind the chain link, because it was a college field, but they still had chain link. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, the people behind the chain link felt like they could do and say and point and scream and holler and jump up and down and call me every name in the book and talk about my parentage and everything else. Mm -hmm. They could do all that because they didn't have to – have any accountability for what they were doing. Nope. You know, they were anonymous. And I'm going to take it a step further here too. Not only are they anonymous, so let's just say they, maybe they get in trouble. Let's just say they get ejected from the game. Maybe there's some game management personnel come over and say, hey, listen, fan number 12, you're out of sorts, you're out of here. And they say, well, I apologize. I apologize for yelling at that umpire. I apologize for yelling at that referee. Guess what they're not doing? They're not apologizing the same way they were scolding you. That's right. In front of all the people, whether there's 200 people or 20,000, they're not getting up in front of those 200 people and go, I apologize for being an idiot. They apologize in private, idiots in public. Mm -hmm. That makes it even easier. Sure. Oh, it's no big deal. I'll just send an email that I don't care if they get or not, but I sent the email and that I'm going to apologize to this one person one-on-one. No, that doesn't work for me. If you're going to scold me and act the fool and, and say things that are, as you say, talking about your heritage and, you know, you know, everything, <laughs> right? And yep. how, how big your toes are, whatever. They're complaining about everything you want to do, but they want to apologize to you in private. That. It's the same as you might as well not even apologize at all as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I spoke with another coordinator uh, just yesterday or the day before. Uh, we were talking about his conference tournaments that were, were had wrapped up from the weekend and all. And there was a group of fans that had decided to attack an official because of his size. And the, the coordinator was frustrated. He's like, I, I don't get why the crew didn't take care of that. Mm-hmm. You know? And... You know, I said, well, we've been taught for so long as officials that, you know, we don't hear anything that happens outside the fence. We don't hear anything that happens in the stands if we're basketball officials. You know, mm-hmm. we just, our ears are deaf to that. Mm-hmm. But we've been told that if we hear that stuff, that means we got rabbit ears, mm-hmm. you know, or we're too thin skinned or we're whatever. And that coordinator said very clearly, well, in my conferences, that's not acceptable. They want to say I'm a horrible umpire, go right ahead. They want to say that guy's a skinny little twig. Well, now he's talking about that person. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. 
you want to talk about the color of somebody's skin or the whatever else, that's not okay. And we have to deal with it. And he said, you know, the way that he wanted it dealt with is that game administration needed to be told to deal with it. Now, he said, if game administration doesn't, or if the person refuses to go, he says, we can't stop the game. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. Because again, that's that's not our purview. They said, then the phone call gets made right after the game to me as the coordinator. And then I'll deal with the game administration. Mm-hmm. I'll deal with, you know, the sure. whatever to make sure that kind of stuff never happens again. I thought that was a really great thought because, you know, what we what we tolerate, we promote, mm-hmm. you know, and I know we've heard that. And yet we, we don't we don't want to get labeled as that guy. But standing for what is right is not being that guy and not doing it with the chip on our shoulder, not doing it with an aggressive attitude, but just dealing with it. And I, I found it interesting. I saw a video just yesterday from social media of a guy at a little league baseball game, umpire's yeah. little league baseball game, right? Mm-hmm. People are going nuts and all. And he says, look, if you continue, you're going to forfeit the game. Mm-hmm. Now, you could like the way the guy went about it or not. That doesn't matter to me. I, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he clearly communicated. Look, if you don't stop, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And they didn't stop. So he said, okay, game over. That's no forfeit. Mm-hmm. And the people were all over him. Mm-hmm. How could you do this to the kids? How can you make this about you? And he's probably serious. He says, you're arguing balls and strikes in a little league baseball game. Yep. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Like, this is your deal? Like, this is what's most No personal accountability. Because, again, no. they can just yell from the stands. Yep. You know? And so um, I, I think that's that's really key. But a lot of times in officiating, we want to talk about this from the position of people yelling at us. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about it as, you know, it's – it's easy for that coward to be courageous when they can be anonymous. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to do that, then as officials, we got to be honest about the fact that we do the exact same thing. Here's where we do it. We're in a locker room with our crew. Mm. Hey, did you work with so-and-so last Mm. week? Breach. (laughs) Yep. I mean, should they even be working this level? Right. How did they get that game? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, we, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I think we even do it in, we do it a different way too. Like, oh, I was over at, you know, University A on Monday. I wish you would have been on a game with me instead of so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to compliment you, but really we're dogging out the other guy or girl. Absolutely. That doesn't fly with me, man. You know, it, we, as I go back to our baseball team, there was a, a week there where we had three kids that were out for grades. And the first thing I told them on Monday, I said, I don't know anyone speaking about the three kids that are ineligible. We can't not talk about, well, if so-and-so was in right field, we would have won the game. Or that's We're not dealt that. Mm-hmm. We can't control it. This is what we can control. And that's the same thing in the locker room. I know I've interrupted your thought. but No, please. That is, that's where you, you, those people are talking about something they can't control. And unfortunately, a lot of people are attracted to the, the you know, what do they call that? It's like a train wreck. You, you know, can't take your eyes off of it or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're doing. They just can't. They just love, love, just not necessarily stir the pot, but it's just they just love this, this bad talk of everyone. Whew, I love it. You know what I mean? And that's why people watch the news and they watch 
you know, it's not just the weather anymore. It's severe weather hour. You know what I mean? They find some severe weather somewhere in Aruba where none of us live, but they're going to, and people sit there and watch it because it's, 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 in, they're infatuated by all the possible things that could go wrong. Yeah. And, you know, this even goes beyond our, uh, our partners. I mean, we talk about coaches the same way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's one thing in a pregame to be able to say, hey, we know this coach gets elevated quickly. We need to be able to how to deal with it. That, that's, that's professional. That's preparing. If we want to talk about game management, that is a great game management conversation mm-hmm. to know how we take care of that. To say, you know, that guy's a real blankety blank. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a coward finding courage mm-hmm. when they can be anonymous talking about him. Yep. Or here's one that I love, and, and maybe I love it more now that I'm a coordinator than I used to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have before, right? Well, can you believe so-and-so only gave me three games this, this year? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they thinking? They gave so-and-so 12 games this mm-hmm. year, and I only got three, and I've been working for them forever, and I've been doing this and that and everything. What would it, what would it look like if we knew our crew chief for every, for every game – was going to shoot an email off to the coordinator summarizing the locker room conversation at every game. <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what would it be like? It's just no different than, you know, you go to our school. We got 40-some cameras. Mm-hmm. Everything's on video. What would it be like? What would that locker room conversation be like if you say, hey, listen, everything's being recorded from here on out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't be saying anything. And we know that for certain because I've worked in places where somebody will say, hey, just so you know, the home team's locker room is right next to us, and the wall's really thin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this changes the way it's I'm going like, to talk. Yeah, because we don't want anybody to really know how we feel. Yeah. I don't want to get trouble talking bad about someone. Or we ask the question, hey, do you think there's a chance a coordinator could be at the game today? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, why is that important? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, maybe we're going to stand differently. Maybe we're going to hustle differently. Maybe we're going to... You know, dot our I's and cross our T's a little bit better. But guess what? We should be doing that anyway. And with mm-hmm. the advent of video, every coordinator's at every game. Yep. Yep. They may not be on site, but they have access to everything. You know, if COVID's taught us anything, it's taught us that, at least yep. in basketball. You don't you don't know anyone's watching until you get out in the locker room and then you got Patty Broderick. I watched your guy's game today. Here's a few notes. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? So you just have to – you should assume that always. Yeah. You should assume that always. You should assume – if you're umpiring a baseball game, you should assume there's someone there watching your game that can hire you for a higher level or they can get you fired from the level you're at. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I was really fortunate. I uh, I had my conference tournament that I assigned for. Um, I have somebody who works for the national NCAA that was actually working my tournament mm. one day. And I'd had a conversation with that person. There were some people that that he would like to see work. So I assigned one of them to actually be on the game with him. So he got to watch them live and in person. I assigned three other people to work the game immediately after him so that he could stick around and watch. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, the person working with him knew he was there you know he can see it on arbiter he knows that's that's there the other three i didn't tell and he specifically asked me not to tell Mm -hmm. right now 
they got there early enough to see the game before them, they're going to realize that's what that is. He's right. there, mm-hmm. right? You know, but maybe not. You know, but the idea was is that he he didn't want them doing anything drastically different just because they knew he was there. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes into this as well. I think some of us we feel anonymous when we just go work our game at Podunk College Gym A. Mm-hmm. Or when we're working at City Park B, mm-hmm. right. this school that's got money for everything else, but they don't have a decent baseball field to save their life, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so we feel that since we're off the beaten path, that we're anonymous. Nobody knows who we are, where we are, what we're doing, and we can just do our thing. And so maybe we talk to coaches differently than we normally would. Maybe we aren't as professional as we should be or whatever. So. You know, we when we talk about this quote that you've given, most of the time we're thinking social media immediately, sure. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're talking about the people that are able to blast it, the people in the stands yelling at us. But let's recognize that we have responsibility in this too. And if if I say something about Jeff Cross to my crew, and I say, you know what, I think Jeff's lost a step, and you know Jeff shouldn't be working that league anymore. Well, do I have the guts after the on the way home that night? To call up Jeff Cross and say, Jeff, just just what you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, this is a conversation I had, and I didn't want it to get back to you from anybody other than me. Probably isn't even a conversation I should have had, but if somebody says it to you, I said it. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, if, if I knew I had to make that phone call afterwards, <laughs> probably going to change the way I talk on the front end. That and also... Are you willing to accept responsibility that you did say it if someone does call you out, right? Yeah. Hey, Jeff Cross really lost a step. I mean, I can't believe he's working at that level. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Cross calls your phone. Hey, did you say this about me, Chad? You know, you got to have the courage to go, I, I did, Jeff. Because yeah. if I, not, I, you're I, calling somebody else a liar who's not. Yep. Mm-hmm, yep. I did. And I do believe that to be the case. I apologize for saying someone else besides yourself, but at least have the courage to, to say that. That's where. The anonymous goes, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's yeah. his word against my word. I didn't say it. Someone's lying. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Folks, and that's part of being uncommon. You know, part of being uncommon is is taking responsibility and not just pointing fingers the other direction, mm-hmm. but accept, accepting them to ourselves. You know, we've we've talked about some key things today. You know, we we can literally change our life through the way that we speak about ourselves, mm-hmm. I think that is huge. I also think that when something's important enough, we do it even when the odds are stacked against us. You know, and so an even easier way to say that is if it's important enough, it doesn't matter how difficult it is, we'll find a way to get it done. Yep. You know, uh, I had a friend of mine this last week. It was important to him to get his yard mode before all that rain came. Mm-hmm. And so he went to both his neighbors on either side. He said, I apologize, but uh, I've got to get my yard mode tonight. And so he took a battery-powered flood lamp and <laughs> held it in front of him as he mowed his yard at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Because otherwise, he wasn't going to get his yard mode. Mm-hmm. That's difficult, but it was important to him yep. to get it done. I, I think that's something that's key. And then I really do believe that we need to choose the courageous route, not the cowardly route. And that's not just in the way that we're on the court, on the field, but it's what we do off the field. It's what we do at our jobs. It's what we do with our families. It's what we do with our friends. And it truly will make us uncommon. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, it, when it comes to that that last part, that courageous and cowardly, you know, sometimes it just takes a, just a couple beats before you speak. Mm. Just a couple, you know, let's really think about what you're about to say. And you could think about it for a week or two. Has Jeff really lost a step? Let me. I got to really think about this, and let me let me let me evaluate some other umpires or base or basketball mm-hmm. referees. You know what? He hasn't lost a step. If you look at him compared to so and so, then no, he's not. So, or you know, let's really investigate the situation instead of making this knee jerk reaction. I watched Jeff work in the first inning of this this college game, and yeah, he don't have it anymore. Yep, because he had a bad strike zone that first inning. That's we're passing judgment way too soon, mm-hmm. and. We have the opportunity to help fix that. Hey, yo, you know, that first thing was rough inning, and Jeff may say, it sure was. It was a tough one. Mm-hmm. But now if I say, I thought I nailed it, then we can take all of that instead of just going, oh, Jeff's too slow. He should be out of the game. We're done. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, e- even to emphasize that, I was working a conference tournament this last weekend, had the, the pleasure to get to go do that. One of the guys I was working with <clears throat> probably had the toughest the toughest plate job of the whole tournament. And by that, I mean the two teams and the situation. It's an elimination game between two teams that probably shouldn't have been in an elimination game. It, this is high stress. This is, I mean, this is high everything. And uh, there, were, there were a few pitches uh, throughout the early part of the game that just weren't typical of him. Um, and I'll, I'll just say uh, somebody who's been super solid all year. I mean, obviously he's working at conference tournament, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, th- this is a good, good umpire and, uh, and maybe just struggled a little bit, but what was amazing is he worked through that. And for the last half of that ball game, he was solid. Mm-hmm. And, and we were talking afterwards, and, you know, he mentioned some of us. I said, well, hey, what impresses me the most is that you were able to take something where most people would have gone off the rails, and it just would have gotten worse and worse mm-hmm. and worse and worse the rest mm-hmm. of the way. Yeah. And you, whether it was the way you're speaking to yourself, like we talked about, mm-hmm. right? You're speaking negatively to yourself, yeah, right? Yeah, whether mm-hmm. it, was, it was, man, this is hard, but I'm going to find a way to get this done. Wh- whatever it was, he stepped up, and, and he – he locked it down mm-hmm. the second half of the game. Some people, some people after watching that game would have said, Oh, you know what? He, he shouldn't have been on that tournament. Mm-hmm. Right. I turn around after that game. I say, he's exactly the guy that should be on that tournament. Mm-hmm. Cause in one of the highest pressure packed moments of that entire tournament, he found a way to get, the, get it done. Yep. You know? And so I say that as we close out this this episode as a word of encouragement to you. If you are out there and you're like, you know what, I'm I'm in the middle of something and I feel like I've not done it well so far. Well, then guess what? Lock it down the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've got some struggles at work right now. We'll find a way to find some positive speak, find a way to work through what's hard mm-hmm. and lock it down going yep. forward. Yep. You know, have the courage to take responsibility for what you've done. Have the courage to take responsibility for the choices you've made, but then say, I'm going to do what's right because it's important enough to me That's right. to be uncommon mm-hmm. and to drive towards success. Yep. I agree, 100%. 
Folks, I hope this has been good for you. We have three more of these great quotes. They're going to be coming at you very soon. And so uh, hopefully this has been great for you. If you've got questions, shoot us emails at uncommondrivepodcast at gmail.com. Do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating. Write us a review. Uh, We love doing this for you, but it's helpful to us if you turn around and do that for us. That's right. Got to let us know what you want us to talk about. That's right. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.